Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was, to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp, and welcome back to the next episode of the Keto Naturopath. I don't know how long today's podcast will be, but I feel it's kind of an important topic. And the topic is going to sound at the outset kind of technical and kind of and kind of hard to grasp, but actually it's important to understand this, especially if you really are engaging yourself in into quote unquote a low carb, high fat ketogenic diet. That is a diet that does indeed produce ketones. So the concept today is called oxidative priority. And the reason I'm going over it is because my last podcast was talking about the continual glucose monitor, the least the freestyle Libra, which is a type of CGM, sort of, okay? It's certainly affordable for most, and consequently, people are getting data on themselves that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So instead of buying a four to $8,000 direct into your bloodstream, immediately reading your glucose levels, uh, this doesn't quite do that. This is a tad delayed, and technically it's a fiber. That's, but however, having said that, these graphs that come out are remarkable, and they are as it should be. So I've been playing around with it because you get 14 days of just your glucose readings, and you have this little, little meter, or you can use your iPhone or or whatever phone, and you'll hear something like this. You get hit the button, you roll it under your triceps, which is where you have your cartridge that has been stuck inside your skin and really glued on well, by the way. I'll be taking mine off tomorrow, and what Judy says, it's painful to take it off. So I've run a few experiments, and I reported last week that I had a glass of wine, and I had some C8 on my tenderloin, and a little butter, and I found very quickly, well, within an hour, that my glucose readings went down, and I took both, I actually took my glucose readings and my ketones went up. So I quickly came into a GKI of 4 point something or other, 4.8, which is pretty amazing because basically you'd have to be in four to, in my case, six to seven days of fasting to get there. Glucose down, ketones up, that's what it's a measure of. So some people thought, well, that was a pretty neat biohack. All I have to do is have a little alcohol, have some ketones, and I'm in a GKI. Well, you can feel your ketones. Now, you can feel, call it a ketone high. You'll get this 
sense of this. So I don't know if it's healthy or not. And I'm certainly not considering C8 keto MCT oil, MCT oil as an exogenous ketone because it's a fat. Okay. It's a saturated fat of eight carbons. It gets broken down very quickly because it goes not through a You take it in your mouth, obviously, and in the top of your small intestines, just beyond your stomach, it gets absorbed and goes bang off to your liver. Whereas your saturated fats get longer, C10, C12, C14, C, certainly beyond C12, takes longer and they have to get wrapped up in this thing called a Kylie Micron and it takes hours for it to finally get delivered to the liver to be converted to ketones. Okay, so what happens? So you find, just this is now the subjective feeling of it. You go, hmm, I feel a little different. I don't feel jittery at all. Uh, obviously, I was eating, so I didn't feel like I was needing any, get me some blood sugar or whatever, get me some carbohydrates. But it was interesting to feel um, that I could feel like a, I call it a ketone flesh. You're not flesh, but you feel this slightly odd feeling. And then that passes, but it might last as much as a half hour. So that's what that is. That's feel. That's a feeling of elevated ketones. So that is an entirely separate process from low glucose. So the separating these processes out, and I'm, being, I'm going to be rather pedantic so people understand how I got to a GKI, GKI so low so quickly is a combination of these things. I, I took something converted very quickly to all three ketones, BHB, acetoacetate, and uh, acetone. So all three of those being produced. And my feeling is that the, the little, I'll call it a ketone flesh, I believe that's the acetone. I think that's the acetone that arises. So it's the same thing that you use for nail polish. Your body actually makes it. That's the thing I'm feeling is the acetone. I remember talking a little bit with Dr. Palmer on the interview, and you can go back and listen to that, that it's that temporary feeling of that breaking away. Okay, so what else have I discovered? I played around a little bit independently. I'm coming back to oxidative priority. I'm not losing that thread. So what else have I played around with? Well, I thought as an independent factor, apart from alcohol, to see what would C8 cause independently. I don't have a C8 straight, so then I've really stopped having it in my coffee. If I have it in my coffee at all, I'll mix it with collagen. I'll put the collagen in first, stir that in, and then I'll add in the oil. It seems to mix best in that way. I, If I have that, it will be a early afternoon coffee. But what I've learned is that I have, at least right now, excuse me, at least right now, I'm having sardines and I mix sardines with apple cider vinegar and C8 with a little mayo, mix it all up. And it really is satisfying to me. It just holds me for the whole afternoon. So I really don't have a need or desire to have C8 or collagen in my coffee, but I did today. I did today because I'm going to be taking off my, my cartridge, my uh, CGM probably tonight. And I wanted to do a few experiments. So it's very educational in that regard. So about, let's see, today it's right now it's four o'clock. So today at about 2.30, maybe 1.30, I did have a coffee with C8, a squirt, as I say, of C8, which is probably three teaspoons, maybe a tablespoon. I doubt that much. And some collagen in it. 
And so I would then start taking my my readings. And so it wasn't until, oh, maybe two hours later, did I find the glucose readings started going down. And so right now I'm getting a reading now of the low 50s, which if this was my first time doing this, I would have been surprised. I'm not surprised. I've got a lot of readings that way. So in time, by burning ketones as the fuel, I'm not burning glucose. Glucose, and since I'm fat adapted and I'm not eating carbs, my glucose is coming from making glucose, right? So it's coming from my fat stores. It's coming from gluconeogenesis, my liver. So we got cortisol to uh, glucagon, glucagon to the liver, to gluconeogenesis to make new glucose. So if I'm burning ketones, I don't need to burn, make glucose. So my glucose numbers are going to go down. So here's what I've noticed is that if you are fat adapted, and by the way, don't, don't be thinking, I started keto two weeks ago, so I'm fat adapted. I'm talking about if you've been doing this for a year, let's call yourself fat adapted there. There's so much of a personal variance about how much time it takes for people to be fat adapted that I no longer say, oh, you're fat adapted in two weeks. It may be two months, you'll have a difference. It's a, it's, you really have to understand it's a metabolic shift that you're making. Yes, you'll see, you'll start making ketones probably immediately. And if you're measuring them in the urine, which is a waste of time on a urine strip, you'll see that rise and you'll see that fall. If you're doing it by finger sticks, you'll see that your your ketones by the end of the month are going to start to go up, still probably pretty low. But that's just on the making side of it. On the consuming side of it, your body has to learn to use ketones. It's not an automatic switch. It's something it has done before, so it can go back there. But your whole metabolism of up-regulating some mechanisms and down-regulating others takes a while. It really takes a while. People don't like to hear that. They want to hear they're a good doobie at the end of 30 days. They're in keto and they want to go around and brag to people they're in keto and here's my ketones. Those are just idiots. You know, I, I've, I've had less and less sympathy for that, less and less patience for having to deal with, with that kind of crass, superficial understanding of the ketogenic diet. So the production goes up but your utilization of it doesn't necessarily go up right away. They're independent size of the equation. So in time, what I'm leading up to, when you do cross that path, that threshold, so I'm going to say six months to a year out there that you're comfortably being able to burn your own fat very easily. And the longer the period of time, the better. And so if you can, at a flip of a switch, burn your own fat, it is not a big deal. Your body doesn't have to go through any transition. You've built this they call this metabolic flexibility. It's it's easy as a light switch on the wall. That's how easy it is. So when you're at that point and you're fat adapted and you're drinking alcohol, your alcohol will stop. I'm going to tell you why that happens. Your your alcohol will actually stop the burning of your glucose. So it's like a wrench into your bicycle spokes there. It stops it cold. And so consequently, you have to burn something else. Well, if you're fat adapted, you already have a reservoir of fat on your body, a reservoir of glycogen. Well, glycogen goes to glucose, sorry, of of fat, of triglycerides that can be called forth to be broken down into ketones, fed to the liver to be broken down into ketones. So then you don't really notice the fall in your blood sugar. 
So for instance, I think I might have mentioned this before that, you know, happy hour is late afternoon. The reason it's late afternoon is most people's blood sugar who are not fat adapted tends to drop. They haven't eaten since lunch. And so they're ready to go in and have a drink and have the munchies. But if you're fat adapted and you have a drink, one is you're going to feel the effects much more potently, much more profoundly, much more quickly, but you won't feel the fall in your blood sugar. So when you look at the meter in this case and you see, gosh, I'm pretty low blood sugar, it will be almost an informational thing. You wouldn't have experienced it. You wouldn't feel, hey, I'm feeling a little dizzy. So I've had my per monitor, my blood sugar go down into the mid 40s and certainly 50s. That's pretty low. That could be something called hypoglycemia, but it's not. And it only happens with a alcohol. And if I have a glass of wine, I've noticed it and or some spirit. But also I've noticed that when I have had C8 in my coffee, but it's staggered by a couple hours afterwards. So it's not immediate. So it's interesting to see these patterns. I would have maybe guessed that before, but you know, it's not until you really get to test all these different things. So I, I love this little gizmo for a while, and I'm glad it doesn't last forever because I'd be thinking up of the next text, test I'm going to do. It brings out a bad side of me, you know, the, the whole biohacker. Well, what can I do now to change it to do, you know, these are all good questions. Anyway, so that's the effect of having C8, we'll call it an MCT oil, in your coffee. I have it with collagen. Does that make a difference? Maybe it's a slower delivery, but it, it, I doubt it. Uh, C8 delivers quickly regardless of what you're going to do. Okay, so to this concept of oxidative priority, there is a great article that comes from, first of all, you can look into PubMed and there's plenty of articles on, on oxidative priority. So it's not anybody's new idea. It's been out for the last, well, I didn't go back greater than 20 years and maybe it's 100 years old, but it's the idea of a dietary fuels to the body. You know, if, if you're so it's look, looking at the body through the lens of macros again. So instead of just fats, carbs, and proteins, you throw in alcohol, and then you throw in ketones, because right? ketones are a fuel. So now you have, let's do it right, it's alcohol, the highest priority, you'll burn that first, then it's ketones, then it's protein, then it's carbohydrates, and then it's fats. So if you think of carbohydrates and proteins as really one group, one's a slow burn, that's the slow conversion to glucose. That's the uh, protein. And carbs are obviously the faster conversion to glucose. So often when you look at the, when you, we talk about the medically therapeutic ketogenic diet, remember we talked about epilepsy and we, we talked to the Charlie Foundation, you know, there's really five different gradations of the ketogenic diet, a medically therapeutic ketogenic diet that is geared to make different levels of ketones. So the 20 carbs or less or fewer will make the greatest amount of ketones. But in that, they they do, hey, it's a 1-4 diet or it's a 2-2 you know, two, two or whatever. That'd be a 1-1. One, one. It's the ratio of proteins and carbs are counted together in grams and put against the grams of fat. So it's carbs and proteins as, a collect, as together collective versus fat. So that's why it makes sense. So if you think of carbs as slow burners or slow releasers to glucose and carbohydrates as faster conversions to glucose, that's basically it. So in terms of the oxidative priority, why is alcohol on top? Well, a couple of things. If you think of 
the automatic, the automatic burning of a substance as, you know, the higher the priority. So whatever is number one, it also means that that substance is either bad and the body wants to burn it and get away, get out of it, but that's superimposing meaning on something that's simply a function. It can't be stored. So something that you expose yourself to by breathing it or eating it or drinking it, that something you expose yourself to that has no ability to be stored has to be burned. And that's how it is with alcohol. There's no ability to store alcohol in the body. It's not stored in fat cells. It's not stored in the blood. It's not stored in any anywhere. So it has to be burned immediately. So it is the number one uh, priority. Then after alcohol is burned, then if you if you are fat adapted, you're making your own ketones. Your ketones are the priority to burn. So you can just be burning ketones if you're fat adapted and never have to get to burn carbs. For the most part, your brain needs some carbs, but very low. Be very low. And you have your proteins and the carbs to deal with that. Okay, so your ketones also can hardly be stored. They can only be stored in your bloodstream. So there's pretty much no storage at all, but they can hang in your bloodstream and therefore call that a storage capacity, but it's not much. 20 calories for your whole body. When you get into protein, protein is all over your body. So it is stored both because it's being used and it's all over the place. So it's ubiquitous pretty much. And then you have carbs, which are, we're now talking about glucose. It's stored as glucose. Glucose is glycogen. We have packets of glycogen throughout our whole body, next to our muscles and our liver and so on. It just has to be converted right then. And then, of course, fat is adipose tissue. So fat stored, glucose is stored as glycogen throughout the body. A protein is stored as protein in many different ways. Exogenous ketone, the ketones in general are not stored. They're carried for a little bit, then they disappear and alcohol is not stored at all. So that's the list. It starts with alcohol first. Okay, so let's take, and I posted this in our Facebook group because I think it's important. I think people thought it was a neat trick that your blood glucose went down and your ketones went up if you took C8. But I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I, I think that is a hack, and I wouldn't have discovered it had I not had the, the CGM. And then followed it up with uh, finger pricks to get actual data. Nothing bad happened. That's all I can say. But it happened. it's so easy to get there in that regard that I'm just thinking as a word of cautions there. But let's let's take an alcohol alcoholic. And I'll, I'll basically just read you part of uh, this particular article. It's like, all right, so oxidative priority, alcohol is number one because there's no storage capacity for it. Makes sense that the whole body would address this first since it can't be stored anywhere and too high blood alcohol means death. Good point. Okay, second is, he, he says, or the, in this article here, is exogenous ketones. There can be a lot of research here. I mean, there's, so the question is, is C8 is an exogenous ketone? No, it's not. It, the liver makes the ketone. So it's a whole little question here it's, that is not addressed. So other than my experiment, Nobody would have known about this. So I'm just going to leave it out there. It's not an exogenous ketone, but it is a ketone, and it would be a priority to be burned, a priority to be used, because that's how this is, ketones first. And then you get protein, and then you get carbohydrates, and then you get fats. So if somebody is taking drinking, if you're drinking alcohol while eating carbs and fats, 
uh, carbs and fats will primarily go into storage, remember, while the body deals with elevated alcohol. So alcoholics will have a very low hemoglobin 1AC into the fours. So no matter what they eat, if they eat tons of carbohydrates, they will still have a low... So this is important to know. So you're eating carbohydrates, right? You're eating things that should be and are converted into glucose. But because you're also taking in alcohol, your body says, we're storing all those carbs, all those all that glucose, all those carbs that, you're, that you have eaten, eaten and have been converted into glucose. We're just going to store them. So they're immediately going into glycogen and or being converted into fat. Okay, then. And so you don't have a choice. It's not there for fuel. So you're still... So now the alcohol, as long as there's alcohol in your blood, you're going to have a low hemoglobin 1AC. It drops your it drops your glucose levels. So now if for any reason you're bringing in ketones, C8, and you'd have, say, exogenous ketones, that suddenly you're going to have high ketones, Low blood sugar, high GKI, Shazam. So this isn't necessarily a healthy thing to do, I don't think. But that's why that happens. So your alcohol is burned first. When your alcohol, it's not that it's burned first, it shuts down everything else. You know, it is 100% onto alcohol. It's not like mostly alcohol, a little ketones, a little protein, a little uh, carbohydrates. Nope. It's 100% alcohol until the alcohol is gone. Then it starts on the next one. So two things I noticed where that's why the GKI can kind of go, really go up there. What you're feeling primarily is the acetone. There's some studies that sort of report that, but there's not a lot of information on that. This isn't something that gets reported. There's not experiments on this yet. Um, is that good or is it bad? Who knows? If you remember, we are talking with Dr. Palmer. He was also talking about the acetone as actually being a benefit. Interesting that. So the difference between an exogenous ketone is you get one ketone, BH, BHP, beta-hydroxybutyrate. You don't get any acetone. You don't get any acetoacetate. And so it's a whole different thing. They're related, obviously. But the whole acetone thing is something that goes directly to your brain, as he explained it. That was interesting. So the other thing is, when you're out, so, you know, I, was, I always wonder, it's like, gosh, I don't feel, I have, according to this, I have low blood sugar, but I, I don't I have a problem with low blood sugar. I don't, I don't feel that. So this is after the wine and such. And that's strictly because I'm fat adapted. If I wasn't fat adapted and my blood sugar goes down, you bet I'd be hungry. If it goes down to my 40s, that's pretty unreasonable. Uh, I would probably be asleep. If I wasn't asleep, I'd probably be anxious or angry. So that's your hangry part. So when your blood sugar drops, you're hangry. But the interesting thing in being keto, fat adapted, you don't get hangry. The reason you don't get hangry is because you're feeding your body now on ketones. Yet your blood sugar really hasn't changed. It's still low when it's low. So there's that. I thought both of those are really interesting to look at. So it really makes you look through the lens of all your macros and makes you realize Looking at your diet, we're not talking about quality of different things. A little bit. If we're talking about C8, we're talking about the quality of a fat. It's a saturated fat. Eight carbons long. It's not C10. It's not C6. It's C8. And some people think palmitic acid, which comes from palms. Um, palms are the highest producer of 
palmitic acid, makes sense. That's just a saturated fat of 16. You cleave your 16 in half, you get two caprylic acids. You cleave your caprylic acids in half, you get two ketones. That's pretty much the math behind saturated fats going to ketones. That's why it's so efficient, those two particular fats. So when you look through your macros, so how can you use this in a constructive way other than saying, and I, I hope I'll take your mind off the GKI and, and, and don't be doing the tricks. Or if you do, at least keep me posted. Keep somebody posted that you're doing this and measure it. Is it how you use this? If you're into keto, like most people are, is to lose weight. Well, then the trick is how do you get your body to burn its own fat with this whole oxidative priority thing? Well, you're obviously not going to drink alcohol. Alcohol has calories as well. And you're not going to have more fat because you want to burn your own fat. And I'm speaking about logic, not reality here. So if you don't eat fat, and if you don't take alcohol, and you're not going to, and so when I say you don't eat fat, you're not going to be doing C8, and you're not doing exogenous ketones, I'm assuming you're not going to do that anyway, then what are you left with? You're left with some protein. Protein's a slow burn, so that's not going to help much. You're, and you're not taking in carbs. So that's, you're left with your own fat on your own body. So the mechanism is, or the simplistic way of looking at it, don't do alcohol, don't take in ketones of any type, even though I qualified the whole C8, ketones of any type, proteins aren't really going to add much, you're not doing carbs, you're burning your own fat, well, and that's how you would drop weight. It sounds pretty simple. However, I've never seen that happen. What I have seen happen that does make that statement correct, but not initially, is that your body has to get into being fat adapted. So I've never seen anybody just say, okay, I'm going to cut out all fats because I'm fat and I'm going to, my fat on my body is going to be the component of fat in my high fat, low carb diet. Therefore, I'm burning my own fat and I'm going to have, you know, adequate protein, something along the lines of 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight, ideal body weight, or another people say 0.8 grams of lean body mass. It's harder to calculate, but you get my point. So I've never seen that happen. And so the precise, but also vague point is that I don't know if a person is going to be fat adapted and therefore fat efficient, that they can just stop and have less and less fat in their diet at the end of two months at the end of three months, at the end of six months, it will be before a year, but that has to happen first. The mechanism has to be trained, and this is the whole thing that a lot of people get wrong. The mechanism has to be trained, the transition has to be trained, metabolism has to be transformed into being a fat adapter, and to do that, per my belief and what I've seen now, and I think I've seen a number of people, you have to box it in. So I do believe initially you have to calculate extra fat to come in. So on your calculating on your macros, your high fat diet, right? 20 grams or less of carbs. Just told you how to calculate your protein and let the rest fat. I think you have to box it in. Your metabolism is saying, I have no choice but to burn fat. And once you train it, it's like you're training a child, you're training a pet, is that certain things they cannot do. 
And one thing they cannot do is they cannot burn carbs anymore. We're not burning carbs in this house anymore. <laughs> okay. Not burning carbs in this house anymore. So that's a good thing. Okay. So you've, you've habituated it into believing it cannot burn carbs anyway. At some point, and this is the part that is, it's precise in sense that you have achieved the metabolic transformation into being a fat burner. We don't know when, where or when it happens with you. My guess is if you come from an athletic background, you always did sports in high school and into college, and maybe you did triathlons recreationally, and this kind of thing is always part of your past, and you go to the gym on a regular basis, it's probably easier to transform your metabolism into being a fat adapter. It can happen probably a lot faster than somebody who has not, who's had a sedentary life. They've been maybe very academic, to put it in a you know, in a sedentary life that just weren't sports oriented and they were carb eaters. So from that, it's going to be a lot longer transition to resurrect their apparatus, if you will, their metabolism to change, to be fat adapted. So when we hear things, keto, oh, keto has just dropped your carbs, increase your fats and calculate proteins and away you go. Obviously it works for some, but I'm finding more and more it does not work that way for most people. I mean, that's where all my time is now spent. How can I make it so it does work for everybody? Well, there's those 50% that I've talked to and I've referenced the 50%. It's like the moral majority. The 50% that just don't get those benefits on keto. Well, it's because they didn't have the apparatus set up. Their apparatus was not very efficient. To They needed maybe the six months. Maybe they needed as much as three quarters of a year. But they needed some attention for that. They needed somebody to understand their metabolism for that period of time. They needed some extra metabolic support to get them to that place. So then they could say, I'm dropping my fats from my diet because I'm eating it off my body. I'm burning it right off my body. So the hyper-simplistic understanding of that if you don't eat your fats, you will burn your fats is not true. I mean, it's true in starving, but eventually you die in starving. So to drop your fat without <laughs> incurring death, it's something you can do for the long run. You have to make it so your body has trans formed into a fat, you know, into being a, you're fat adapted. And that means your mitochondria, right down to the mitochondria, your mitochondria, one and all have had to change. They needed support. They got there. And now you can go on and you can just skip meals for a couple of days and you won't even get hungry. Have your water and so on and so forth. Life, life becomes very freeing at this point. And you'll find your, your tastes change. I mean, if I was to tell you what my diet is now on a day-to-day -day basis, you'd be bored. You'd probably say, I don't want to do keto. I don't want to eat like him. You know, it's like I was perfectly satisfied with my sardines and the way I have my sardines and mayo and fat and so on. And I'd be happy if I had five eggs. Oh, no, actually, last night we had some great burgers with some a raw yolk in a raw burger and the others are cooked. I love that. It's beef tartare. And it just feels so good. It's like the healthiest meal I could possibly have. Uh, it's remarkable how good my gut feels after I had that. It's like, welcome home. This is what you should be eating. But a couple of years ago, I thought, this is a bit extreme. A raw egg and raw meat, too much. And I don't feel obligated to say I'm a carnivore. I'm saying I'm going in the direction that feels best with me. And I love the way I feel now. Absolutely love the way I'm feeling. And now it seems like I'm coming into a phase of dropping weight. I've always had some body fat around 20% and it I didn't really try extra hard to lose more, 
But now it's starting to come off. And I think it's because I, I've been focusing more on the, the proteins and I add a little bit, but not much in the way of fat. And now it's coming away because I'm fat adapted. So the equation of dropping the fat from your diet is true, but it's not true or it's not effective initially for at least the people that I've seen. And for many of the people that I did comment in our group and other groups too, it's like, you know, dropping the fat does not necessarily mean that I'm going to be losing fat. No, because you're not fat adapted and we don't know what you need because we haven't looked into your your metabolic blood work or your hormones and all these other things that contribute to there. In time, you probably will be quite fine as being a, you know, a fat burner, but we need to support you on that transition. So I hope you got something out of this. It's a little bit technical. So it's called oxidative priority. It's oxygen first, then ketones, then protein, then carbohydrates that go to glucose and then fats. And so it, it is a mechanism in which you can look long-term and say, this is how I'll lose my fat, which is what I've just finished talking about. So I hope that gives you something to think about. I think it's a great concept to put in the back of your mind. So no, if you are a fat burner and you do have even wine, I haven't tried it with beer because beer has too many carbs for me. You know, I, I used to make our own beers, but too many carbs. So I don't really feel that's an experiment worth making. Will I try with the next cartridge that I put on with, I don't know, bourbon or a martini or something? Maybe, you know, if that opportunity comes up, I will definitely, you know, chart it out and see what that looks like. And then what's to alcohol by itself will drop your blood sugar. And C8, so what I'm trying now, since my coffee, my blood sugar has had a delayed drop, but that can only be explained because I now have more uh, ketones in my blood and that's the preferred fuel. So therefore, I'm burning less glucose. And I don't eat carbs for the most part, except that's, that's in meat or whatever. So it's all about me making my glucose, not so much me eating my glucose. All right. Till next time. I hope you enjoy this and I appreciate talking. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp. I just wanted to encourage you to send in your questions to drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Many of you have. And so what I've done with these questions that gotten back to most of the people I email, but some of the questions that were so good and if they were overlapping to other questions, I would combine them and try to put that into the topic of a podcast, either via one of the micro topics that are covered in an interview. As you know, we cover a lot of topics in any given interview or some of my own sort of reporting, if you will, on some of these issues. So uh, please keep the questions coming. Feel free to send in an email and uh, I will get back to you. One thing I want to say, a number of questions have come in in which I've given this answer and the email didn't work. So just make sure that you're receiving at the same email that you sent it in. And I think that might have been the difficulty. So I look forward to your questions. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that I'm hoping to answer your questions. And I think this world of keto is not just black and white. You know, it's nice that it's simple, but it's not simple for some. I'm really trying to you know, go down as anybody, any of you who have listened to all my podcasts, we started way back when history and evolution, epilepsy, and so on and so forth. You know, now we're seeing some tremendous overlap in uh, various uh, mental disorders, such as schizophrenia or neurological disorders that are not just epilepsy. 
And also just for people and losing weight, it's sometimes pretty complicated for them to engage in keto. And so they need some help. And so that's the whole point of, at least that's what I think I'm doing is exploring the world of why are there other factors? So in exploring some of those other factors, we've covered addiction, we've covered hormones, we've covered uh, nutritional deficiencies, we've covered certain metabolic lab results, and we'll go further. We'll even get to more on genome and aspects. So these are all just contributions that make for an obstacle for some people to engage easily in the ketogenic diet. This is my belief, and these are the things that I've discovered, and I think other people have discovered some of these things, but not ever put them together. So stay listening, send in your questions, and I will definitely get back to you.